0: We have been talking about pillars of spiritual growth, and again, just so uh, just so you know, these are not the exclusive five pillars of spiritual growth. Okay, these are uh, these are some that we um, ha- are presenting to you, and uh, we have hit kind of some broad topics, and we've tried to uh, present them with um, a specific application process so that you can take these pillars. You can apply them to your life. And then from that, you can see spiritual growth and you can move into a more mature Christian. Okay, so we've hit, today's our fourth one. So we've hit sacrifice, which all things start with sacrifice. Our whole belief system, everything about Christianity is built on sacrifice. And the application is that Jesus Christ came and died for us in such a sacrificial way, showing perfect sacrificial love, and then our lives should reflect a sacrificial selfless life that presents sacrificial love for each other and our brothers and sisters, okay? And then from that, uh, we moved on. Um, We moved on to uh, salvation, and we should... we should celebrate our salvation each and every day. Um, salvation is not something that you receive and then you say hey I I'm I'm saved so you put it on the back burner. Nope. Salvation is something that we we celebrate every day and that we uh worship through because Jesus Christ provided us with our s- salvation and salvation is a progressive. Um the Bible tells us to work it out, okay? So um we uh we understand that and then that all comes together and last week we talked about sanctification and that is the progressive the progressive maturing of each and every one of us as we do work out our uh, salvation through with fear and trembling and um, the one thing that um, we concentrated on last week was if you're going to be able to accept um, the sacrifice of love of Jesus Christ in his eternal life and if you're going to be able to live a life that reflects selfless sacrificial love um, you have to come with humility in your heart and we talked about how the 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 crux of sanctification is being able to submit submit to Jesus Christ and to his will because if we can't do that then we're not able going to be able to take steps in mature growth and then that bleeds into all of our relationships our marriages are built on on submitting to each other and uh, just like and then when we do submit just like when jesus christ submitted to god the father and gave his life up God did not leave him in a state of humiliation. He elevated him. He resurrected him. He glorified him. He gave him the name that all men could be saved with. And that is the same way that we work it out with our relationships. As we submit to each other, then we don't leave someone who has submitted to us in a humiliated state. We lift them up and we support them. And um, like when your wife submits to you or you submit to your wife, You don't leave them there. You don't lord over them, but you lift them up with love and encouragement and praise. And uh, by doing that, we get into a a place where we no longer think about ourselves and our troubles, but we think about how we can help each other out and what we can do for each other. Okay. so today we're going to talk about the fourth pillar and today is is stewardship and uh, stewardship is is a broad topic. Um, the Bible um, it talks about stewardship several times. Um, stewardship is defined as um, the biblical uh, um, definition is utilizing and managing all the resources God provides to each and every one of us for the glory of God and for the betterment of His creation. So, what we're talking about here is that. God blesses us and then he pours blessings into our lives. He gives us talents. He gives us the ability to love. He gives us the ability to encourage each other and to uh, to be friends and to love and to make money and to have a job and to protect. And he pours all those blessings and those talents into us. And then it, it is our job and our obligation to as we receive those blessings is to manage them in a way that we can then use them and God lives, uses them through us. And he shines through us so that we can use our blessings, not only to take care of ourselves and our families, but also to bless others through the abundance, the leftovers, not just the leftovers, but the, the abundance of the things that God has put inside of us and has blessed us. So, um, it's, um, it's the maturing process that makes us stewards. And uh, building on that, um, we need to understand that the proper starting place is that all gifts, everything good, all blessings, they come from God. In fact, James tells us, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift, every perfect gift, Is from above okay now now here's here's what the addition to that is it's it comes down from the Father God the Father of lights okay and uh, it is with whom there is no variation or shadow or turning all right so what what does that mean why why does he add that on to here well we all every gift every blessing in this life we have to start and say, well, that comes from God, okay? And what kind of blesser, what kind of God is God the Father? And here's the kind of God he is, is that he has no variation. So he doesn't pick out, he doesn't come and not give you enough. He doesn't give more here and not enough there. Um, he doesn't pick and choose. He, he doesn't have favorites. And there is no variation. There's no shadow. He doesn't ever um, turn his back Um, there's no separating us from the love of God. He will never leave us, nor deceive us, or nor turning. So he's not in a good mood one day, in a bad mood. You know, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's the kind of God that we have, okay? So that's the kind of God that is blessing us. It's one that we can be for sure of, one that we can bank on, that he's going to bless us in the perfect way, all right? So his blessings are brought to us in the perfect way, through Jesus Christ, in the exact, as much grace as we need, He provides us. In fact, the Bible declares that His grace is sufficient for all, amen? So, with that, we are, each and every one of us, receivers of a gift. Each and every one of us has received a gift of ministry. Now, some of us have a gift of ministry that is more open and more public, but if you're a Christian, if you have received salvation, if you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, then the thing that you really need to understand is with the Holy Spirit comes the blessings of God. And with those blessings of God, each and every one of us has received a ministry. And that ministry is to one another. So that is not something that you, remember the song, hide it under a bushel? No i 'm going to let it shine, all right, so we 're supposed to let our ministry shine, and we're not supposed to pack them up and and, and you know and, and not show them, not express them, not exercise them that's not That's not good to God, who has blessed us with that ministry, and then it's not fair to your brothers and sisters who could benefit from each and every one of us as we express our ministry in the way that God has blessed us, okay. So we are to be we are to receive gifts and blessings and then we are to take those talents and gifts and then we are to use them to bless one another and through this the bible tells us that we will become good stewards of the manifold grace of god. So if we want more grace, more love, then we are the ones who should be exercising that and should be showing that. All right. So today I want to concentrate on a word that comes up in the Bible a lot. It's used 13 times in the Old Testament and it's used seven times in the New Testament. All right. And it's something that that I want to concentrate on this morning that will help you become good stewards, mature stewards of God and all of his blessings. OK, so this is a this is a very important word. It's a it's um, I I believe it's the doctrine of the first fruits and hear me out on this. Okay. Because, um, remember if you never hear anything else, I ever say to you when you're reading the Bible, every time you read the Bible, every word, every phrase from Genesis to revelation, it is referring to Jesus Christ. The point of that story is Jesus Christ. Okay, David killing Goliath, it's not about becoming a David. And, you know, even a little guy can win. I love, you know, I'm a little guy. I would love that story to be about a little guy beating a giant, all right? But the actual story is about a child coming, and when all of Israel was too afraid to fight, God provided a victory through a defenseless child who only had a, you know, the, what's it called? sling blade or slingshot yeah slingshot and rocks all right thanks raffi but um you know it's because of jesus christ so here's here's the first fruits were instituted way back and we'll find it in leviticus okay and it says when you come into the land so this is this is god speaking to the nation of israel and it says when you come into the land which i give to you and reap its harvest Okay. So God gives us, gives us the land, gives us the promised land is what he's talking about to the Israelites here. All right. And when you reap the harvest from the land that I gave you, okay, because all blessings flow through God, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. Okay. So here is what the first fruits are. These are the very first part of the harvest. All right. This is not the leftover. This is not something that, you know, hey, we got some bad stuff here. We're probably not going to be able to use it. We'll take that down there and give it to the priest and be like, hey, this is what was left over. Give that to the priest. This is an identified amount at the very beginning. And it's giving to God because it is our worship to God for him giving us the blessing in the harvest it is our acknowledgement that the harvest actually came from God and it is the acknowledgement that we can give back in faith knowing that he won't leave us in a humiliated state and he won't take so much from us that we won't be able to live in fact the promise is that he will multiply and this is not a this is not a uh you know, a prosper for all, give and, give and I'll give you more, okay? Um, this is not a prosperity-style gospel that I'm preaching here, okay? But this is what the Bible says, is give of the very first amount, okay? Not the second amount, not the third amount, not the last leftovers, but the very first amount, all right? And that is how we show our worship, our identification that it came from God, and our faith that he will take care of us. All right. And then it goes on and says, you shall neither, neither eat bread nor parched grain nor fresh grain until the same day that you have brought an offering to your God. And that shall be a statute forever throughout your generations and all your dwellings. Okay. So this is, the, this is the, um, the part of the law that instituted the first fruits. Okay. This is Old Testament here. All right. And from this, there was derived the 10th. The or the tithe is what they call it, all right, and that's Old Testament law as well, all right. So when you look, there has always been an establishment of giving. In fact, if you look at Cain and Abel, one of the first stories in the Bible, um, you see that that cain Cain brought some uh, fruit, and uh, it appears that it was maybe not the best, or it was the leftover, and that's what he brought as his offering. Um, but Abel brought the fat, the very good part of the of the meat, and that's what he presented—the very first, the best part. And God was pleased with that, and He wasn't pleased with Cain. And it wasn't because He was picking one over the other; it was identifying the faith in the the um, the way that each giver was giving. All right. So how how do we? Since this has been something that was instituted long ago, and we're not under the law anymore, how do we, as Christians who are living, you know, in the in the dispensation of grace, how do we live and how do we exercise the first fruits now? Okay, because because nobody's bringing me a tenth of their of their grain. All right, the farmers that we have in our church. Okay, so um, this is this is the translation into. You know the law and jesus christ fulfilling the law and out of first corinthians in the 15th chapter we get the expression that but now christ has risen from the dead he willingly gave himself and submitted himself to god the father who had called him to come to calvary and die on the cross give his life up as the payment as the atonement as the ransom for each and every one of us for our sins okay and so by doing that by doing that god presented the very best he presented the first the very best he presented that as his offering and when he did that he made jesus christ the first fruit the offering for those of us who are affected by sin and for since death Came by one man, it says that man also came the resurrection of the dead through Jesus Christ. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ. All shall be made alive. All right. So when we, when we talk about Jesus Christ going to Calvary, when we talk about his resurrection, when we celebrate Easter, when we celebrate salvation, when we talk about becoming more mature, we have to understand that Jesus Christ is our first fruit. He was given the very best. God delivered a sacrifice for us and he didn't give the leftover he gave the very best the first fruit and because of that we have received salvation atonement and eternal life through jesus christ okay and then when you flip the page into first corinthians 16 all right it talks about the application and the understanding that Jesus Christ is our first fruits. Now, we as Christians, just like when we have to model the sacrifice that Jesus Christ gave, we have to model that in our lives, we also have to model the firstfruits in our lives, the way that Jesus Christ became our first fruits in our sacrifice at Calvary. In 1 Corinthians 16, this is Paul laying it out. And this is very um, applicable. This is this is just everyday application in our lives. All right. Now, here's what I'm talking about. This is not just this is not just talking about money. Am I talking about money? Of course. Here here's here's what I know. Okay. Here's what I know. After 12 years, however long, 11 years of ministry, um, in hundreds of talks with married couples some who are facing divorce or separation. I say in my head, if I don't say it to them, depending on how well I know them, I tell them, listen, you have money problems. You're not gonna admit it to me until we get four or five meetings down the road and you're gonna eventually admit it to me, but there's money problems here. And then they'll say, no, we're good, we're good. And then the fourth or fifth meeting, they say, well, here's all of our debt, okay? So money amplifies everything. All right And if you have problems in your marriage, money problems escalate that, a hundredfold. OK? And it divides us. it makes us more secretive. Everything that hurts a marriage, money problems brings into it. all right? And uh, money can separate friends, money can separate everybody. So am I talking about money? Absolutely. Am I exclusively talking about money here? No. Because also, we're talking about your prayer, okay? You have to be a good steward. You have to, are we giving our first fruits in prayer? Are you? Are, are we getting the leftover time that you have? I'll just be honest with you. We get so worn out. I get so worn out. Some days I'm like, I don't know if I've prayed very much today. Maybe I should pray. And then next thing you know, it's the next morning. I have fallen asleep, okay? So I'm not just talking about money here. I'm talking about this becoming this becoming a doctrine in our lives, the doctrine of first fruits. And it's because of what Jesus Christ did, what God did in regards to sacrificing his son for us. He gave the first fruits. The Bible explicitly says that, all right? So I'm talking about your prayers. I'm talking about your efforts. I'm talking about your love. You know, I tell you all the time, and my family's down the hall in the bedroom down there. Hopefully, <laughs> they haven't quit watching it yet, all right? But... You know, here's what here's what I know is that um, with after after a job, after doing meetings with families, after, you know, calling some people and checking in on them, um, I come home and I eat. I'm done. I'm zonked. You know, I you know, I, I just don't I I feel terrible about it, but I just don't have the the effort and energy to show, you know, the appropriate love to my family. That's wrong. That is so wrong. And I pray about it. I feel horrible about it. But I'm just expressing to you that this, this is not just something to, to think about. Well, he's trying to get money out of us or, or this. No, this is a way of life. The first fruit, the doctrine of first fruits. So listen, listen to what, what is being said here, okay? What is being taught. This is Paul. And pardon me for a drink here. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. What's, what's being said here? What's being taught here? Well, there's a lot. There's a lot being taught here. Okay? And then I, I italicize the, the phrase that we're going to concentrate on. Okay? So here's the first one. On the first day of the week. Okay? So what's that mean? Well, the Sabbath, the original Sabbath was on Saturday, correct? So Jesus Christ fulfilled the, the law, and Christians, after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, people that were regarded as Christians, started meeting on the first day of the week. Why? To celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. To celebrate new life. Okay? God created on the first day. So there is a new life that is being created, and we are celebrating new life Because of the first fruit sacrifice, you see what I did there? Love Jesus Christ. All right. So, on the first day of the week, and how better to start your priorities off as first? So, you see that right there? If you're going to do first fruits, you got to start with the first, right? All right. So, on the first day of the week, very important prioritization in our lives. You got to start prioritizing stuff. If you don't, take actual time to prioritize things then life and the world will do it for you because people will demand stuff from you your time and if you're like me I have trouble saying no so it turns into you know a whole a whole thing all right so very appropriate that we plan it this was planned and it's all because of the celebration the worship of Jesus Christ and his first fruits all right now here's the next phrase let each one of you lay something aside. Okay. So here's the teaching. We are all required to give every one of us. All right. And here is, here is the the idea there is that if some of you don't give, then some have to give more and I'm not talking about money. Okay. There's this understanding, the 80-20 rule, that 80% of all the work in an organization gets done by 20% of the people. I will tell you that um, after studying this and reading it, it's it's been changed in more recent years. It's now the 90-10 rule. 90% of all the work in an organization gets done by 10% of the people. It's just the way it is, okay? And is it because the other 90% aren't able or capable? No, nope. that's not it. In fact, there are probably some people in the 90% that are more talented than the people in the 10%. And in fact, when you get some of the 90% going, then some of the 10% say, wow, you know, I, I praise God for Javier every day. I praise God for Victoria every day. I praise God for my deacons every day. Um, they all they all bring stuff to the table that I don't have. Okay. And uh, Rafi, I mean, he, he was like, hey, can you enter your... Wi-Fi password into this. And I said, no, I can't. There it is. You, I'm sorry. I don't know how to do that. And you know, if you could see what's behind me in my kitchen, it looks like a TV studio in here and, and he's just setting stuff up and I'm thankful for that. Okay. But each one of us are required to give each one of us are re- required to pray. You know, each one of us are re- required to love. It's not just a select amount of us. So truly all of us need to come together and we need to give of our time, our efforts, our prayers, our love, and yes, our finances, okay? And it says, storing up as each may prosper, okay? So what's this saying? Well, this is saying that your giving should be in relation to your ability to to give. So here's, here's what's this saying. So am I teaching a tithe? Nope, that's law. And and here's and here's why, because a tithe, you know, if you find people in financial distress, and their marriage is falling apart, and the first thing you say to them is like, "Hey, I need you to give ten percent of your income." Well, you know, if they're already in financial distress, they can't give 10, they can't pay their bills. How are they going to give ten percent of their income? How is that going to be possible? Yeah, it's not. And so you're going to submit the disillusion of this family. Okay, they're gonna they're gonna head toward divorce you have to get them healthy enough you have to teach them the understanding you have to get them back you have to work with their finances all right and this that's the dirty work of ministry right there all right and uh you have to get them if they'll they'll allow you to uh, work with them on a budget and get them back um at carrier mills one time a, a family came in and they asked for money and we at the deacons we said yes we'll 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 give you this money And then they came back about a year later and asked for some more, and and we said, you know what, we'll do it. And then they started coming to church, all right, and uh, they worked with my wife, not me. She put them on a budget, got them healthy, we thought. And then um, about six months after they started coming and we were working with them, um, he, he was waiting around, I could tell, after church. He, he was not coming through the line. He was waiting around. When everybody had come through the line, he came to me and he said, I need to talk to you. And I'll just be honest with you. I said, oh, my gosh, he's going to want more money. And I was so, I was so heartbroken. I, w- I was just so disappointed. And he came to me. He started crying. I was like, it's all right. You know, let's, let's not get upset. And he goes, no, I'm just rejoicing. He goes, today I put money in the collection plate. And he was just so ecstatic that his life was healthy enough to give back. And the other the other flip of that coin is that ten percent gets some people off the hook. Ten percent isn't anything for some people, and God may be requiring you to give more, an offering as they call it. Okay, and it might be of time. It might if you you know God declared that the widow's mite was more than what the Pharisee gave, you know, because it's all she had. So it it it's important that each one of us give, and we give as God. Blesses us, and when we go to the first day, here's here's the thing: is that when we know when we're supposed to give, here's what we do, and and, and this is what the next phrase is kind of talk about: that there be no collections when I come. What's that mean? You know, are we not taking up an offering when Paul comes? Well, here's the here's the idea: is that we set down on the first day of the week, we know we're given. Okay? And then we have to schedule out, here's what we are giving. Pray about it. Let God lead you. This isn't just grasping in the wind like that's a good amount. This is something that you discuss, that you pray about. You give as God leads you, not as you decide. Okay? Because think about it. We're giving first fruits here. This is, this is before you do anything else. You decide this is the amount that we're giving to God in our time, in our effort, and our money okay and then if you're smart you'll pay yourself the next and then you'll live off the rest okay but what we end up doing is we're trying to live off this amount and then if there's anything left then we might give it to to this or the 401k and man, I don't know I don't know if I can give the church or not or to this organization or that okay so there has to be some maturing that happens here and on the first day of the week declares that this is going to be a planned amount and what this is saying here is that there be no collections when I come. He's saying that I am not coming to whip you up and to get you into an emotional state to where you give out of emotion. Okay, The worst thing that we ever do is worship and live out of emotion. That is the very antithesis of maturity. That's what a child does. And what we're supposed to do is to come in a mature way and declare this is what we're going to give. This is what God has has." told us has led us to give of our time our efforts our prayers we're going to give the first fruits okay and then after that then we're going to live off and if there's anything else that is left over in an abundance then at year-end offerings or, or when you got extra time then that's when you give your offering and this is how people mature okay and the promise here is that god will take care of us he will not demand more from us than we can give all right so each one of us are supposed to give up as we are to give as we can and not to be led by emotion this is planned this is prayed about this is very systematic structured thing okay in a very can i say it mature way all right and the way that this happens is that you come to it from a proper mindset and He says all this. He who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. And those who sow bountifully will reap bountifully. Okay? So let each one give as he proposes in his heart. And then here's here's my my sermon, the end of my sermon on, on any kind of giving. Do not do it grudgingly or out of necessity. I will tell you this. If you come to church and you don't want to be there, we know, okay? We figure it out. If you don't want to come and serve and you're doing it out of necessity or grudgingly, we know, okay? And it puts a damper on it. kills the spirit, all right? It kills the joy there. We know. We figured it out. And if you give grudgingly, then you're going to start to be bitter towards the church. You're going to start to blame the church. So don't give grudgingly, but be a cheerful giver of your time, of your prayer. Pray about You know, if you don't give much, if you don't pray much, pray that God will allow you to find ways to pray more, to give more in in your time and effort, all right? Because God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things. There's the promise. You will have sufficiency in all things. First and foremost, grace. You may have the abundance for every good work, okay? He will take care of us. And then here's my last slide. And I want you to understand, this is a topic that, you know, can come across wrong and can offend people, but it has to be taught. This has to be taught. Financial uh, stuff, you know, it has to be taught because this is what destroys lives. This is what destroys churches. This is what destroys organizations of any kind, friendships, because if anything's done wrong, it, it can cause bitterness. It can divide people. It can, um, it can inflict pain and jealousy. Um, So, um, you know, if, if somebody's asking for help and there's people who don't think they, they need to get it, you know, then somebody gets angry about that. But here's, here's the thing. Okay. This is out of Malachi and this, and it tells us, bring all the ties into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Okay. This is God talking. And this next phrase is, is just, I, I just love it. And it says, and try me now in this. Test me. Try me. Do it in a way where I can prove to you. That's what God's saying right there. Do it in a way that I can prove to you. Okay. And he says, if I will not, will I not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it? That is the problem. That is what God says. Okay. And he says, Do it in a way that I can prove to you. And this is all about taking the doctrine of first fruits and applying it to our lives. Not only with money, but ask yourself, am I giving the first fruits to God? Is my life dedicated to God? Gary Morris, I always laugh at him. I said one time in a church service that if you look at your checkbook and you look at where your money is being spent, then you will find out where your heart is. And Gary came up to me and said, well, I guess my heart's in Walmart. <laughs> of course, he was kidding, but it was, very, it was a very funny line. Okay, I always think about that. But check out. Check out where, where you're spending your money. Check out where you're spending your time. Okay? You'll find out where your life is dedicated to. I'm telling you that if you want to mature, if you want to make an impact, apply the doctrine of first fruits to your life. And if you've never met Jesus Christ as your Savior, the first thing you got to do is accept his sacrifice at Calvary. All right? I appreciate your time. This is, a, this is a tough this is a tough subject, but it's one that has to be taught. So reach out to me if you need help. If you didn't like the sermon, reach out to me. OK? I take all criticism, good or bad. And here's the thing. If you are watching this, and you have never met Jesus Christ as your savior, repeat this prayer after me. Dear God, I come to you now, and I acknowledge with my mouth that I am a sinner in need of saving. And I look to you, Jesus Christ, the only path to God the Father, the only name which man can receive salvation through. I look to you and I accept your sacrifice at Calvary, and I know that you died for me. And I ask for you, to live in my heart, to save me from my sins, and to provide for me atonement and everlasting life. Thank you for tuning in to Star Church's sermon. We truly hope that the sermon edified you today and brought you closer to the Lord. For more information about Star Church, visit our website at stargbchurch.com. Once again, that's stargbchurch.com. If you would like to visit our church, our address is 4925 State Road, 142 North, El Dorado, Illinois, 62930. We now pray that God will bless you as you enter the mission field and bring his word to the world. And as always, we will see you next time here at Star Church.